Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with fellow freelance models. Today, I have my friend Erin Devine on the other line. Hi, Erin. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to have her on my podcast because I recently found out that she also has a podcast and I listened to some of the episodes while we were on the road and they're really interesting. Oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> I listened to, I listened to, um, you had like a three part topic about like, uh, your relationship with men, like throughout the course of your mm-hmm. life and then with yeah. modeling and how it's affected that. Yeah. Yeah. I, my podcast is kind of like, Basically something I had to do for myself was just a form of expression that is easy for me to do. Like, um, just, just talking and telling stories is easy and it's a way for me to just express without me censoring myself. I don't allow myself to, I do listen. I, I can listen back to the episodes, but I don't allow myself to like go in there and edit things or cut anything out or anything like that. I just talk about what I want to in the moment. I leave in all of the pauses and everything like that. And then I just publish it and move on to the next thing. So that's kind of the vibe of mine is sort of personal stories and then my journey. So um, just I like it. Yeah, I like it. I'm I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to editing out like pauses and um, so I do do that, even though I probably don't have to. I I don't know why. It's kind of like my my same policy for myself of if I have like a bruise, I'm going to edit it out. I'm like, oh, it was really there. It, it's part of me. But also if I do take the time to put it in Lightroom and edit it, then I can. So I should That's how I feel about my, I guess, a little bit of perfectionism. <laughs> Totally understandable. It's that's the thing. I'm trying to fight my own perfectionism in that just in this particular medium is where I'm not allowing myself to do that because I certainly would all day long in anything that I write or anything that you know, photos or editing or anything like that. I I would always do that. So this is like the one medium where I'm just not allowing myself to do it. <laughs> that's good. No, I think it's a healthy exercise, honestly. I feel like too many people see the perfect side of everything on everyone's social media. And it is a relief to hear an um or to see a Z. Yeah. Well, when I have heard, there's a, at least one podcast that I listen to where she'll be like, Oh wait, that's the alarm for the rice cooker going off. Hold on a second. I mean, she won't, she'll, you know, pause it and come back, not like make us wait 15 minutes while she goes and does that. But I never get it. I don't get annoyed about it in a way. It makes me feel like, oh, I don't care about that. So I can do it, too, and not be worried about people being annoyed about it when they're listening to my podcast or something. So giving me permission, if you will. I can dig that. So when we first met, I think it's because you saw that I was going to be in Las Vegas and our paths were going to cross. And then we did a, a shoot together plus like a OnlyFans slash TikTok collab. And I'm really glad that you reached out to me. Yeah, I mean, of course, I had wanted to for a long time. You're very present on social media. Almost anybody <laughs> that um, works with traveling models knows who you are. And so, and also because I don't know, you and I are the same size. So (laughs) I always find that that's a pleasing thing to do when you're collabing with somebody is to be kind of a similar. Yeah. Similar aesthetic, similar like uh, Mm a audience or whatever. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. And of course there's the selfish, like, well, I'm going to sponge off of some <laughs> Christie's like audience and, yeah. and everything like that. But also, yeah, I just think that you're great to work with and, um, yeah, we just have a similar vibe. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, when I first met you when we shot together, I was like, this chick is cool. We're going to hang out more, hopefully. <laughs> and then <laughs> on that same note, although every time on the internet, when I'm doing like share for shares with random chicks that I've never met on OnlyFans, sometimes I'm like, oh, this chick's Instagram page looks cool. Like, I wonder if we're ever going to meet in person. And I'm, I, I kind of want to be friends with everybody. But at the same time, I know that not everybody's going to want to reciprocate that. People are like, oh, how do you make money on OnlyFans? I wish I could travel the world and like, you know, be like you. And I'm like, okay, we well, have to do all these tiny little things. And sharing each other on social media is one of those tiny little things. And if you don't do a bunch of these tiny little exercises or, or habits that build up to how you're making income on the internet, then you're not going to succeed because you can't just like wait for the big break. You're not going to get like some talent talent agency that's like, oh, I want to give you a million dollars to model for like Maybelline or whatever. Like that's a, that shit just doesn't happen. <laughs> right. No, this is a really good point. It's, you know, you're actually reminding me of something when I talk to people who aren't in the industry. I get one of two. Well, I mean, you know, probably get more than that um, responses, but some are like, Oh yeah, OnlyFans. It's like, firstly, I get a lot of people being like, "Oh yeah, I know somebody who does that, and they make so much money, and they, and they think that it's easy money. They think it's like just all you do is just put stuff on there, and the money just rolls in." And the other thing is, if I say, you know, I'm a social media influencer or something along those lines, they'll say, "Oh, that seems like so much work." And then I'm like, "Well, work is a lot of work. I mean, you. I'm like, what do you do? You." You buy and sell steel or something. And <laughs> I'm like, that sounds like a lot of work to me. But I mean, they, they aren't wrong. They aren't wrong in both cases. But I don't know. Do you get those kind of responses when you talk to, you know, non non content creator people? You know, it is kind of weird because I feel like I'm isolated a lot of the time. And nowadays, mostly the only people that I interact with are my boyfriend and other freelance models. And then when I go back to Seattle, uh, I see other people that sometimes I don't know very well. Mm -hmm. um, if they know me like on Facebook or if they know Travis on Facebook, then they see this like curated life that we have where we're traveling in the RV and doing photo shoots and stuff. So they think that everything is just fantastic and easy and that we're so lucky. And, and we are lucky. I'm not, I'm not saying that we're not like blessed, but when it comes to like Uber drivers or like acquaintances that are like a friend of a friend that don't really know me, um, I usually won't bring up modeling unless like it's really necessary to because a lot of people seem to kind of act weird about it or like they don't know how to respond or look at me. Um, after mm -hmm. I've mentioned that I do modeling because then I'm feeling like how much detail do I go into? Like, and am I going to freak them out if I talk about the nudity? You know? Oh yeah. That's always the thing. Okay. I mean, I meet new people quite often, partly because I'm a rock climber, right? So I'm always yeah. like going climbing. This was the, the case last week. I went to the new river gorge. I stayed with some of my 
friends and then I met new friends because, you know, mutual acquaintances. So that was that situation, actually, when I said, oh, you know, I'm a, <clears throat> and yeah, it, whatever I decide to what title I give myself, I just choose in the moment. <laughs> so I might say, I think this time I said, oh, I'm kind of like a social media influencer. You know, is that sort of true, too? <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, that seems like a lot of work. But yeah, most of the time when I say I'm a freelance model, uh, they're like, oh, do you like model like outdoor stuff? It's almost always the first thing they ask. Because oh. That's an interesting because I'm talking to climbers and that's what they assume. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're like, like, you know, you work for like Black Diamond or something. <laughs> that's an outdoor brand like North Face. I'm like, no, no <laughs> more. And then I, then I usually just, you know, out myself. I'm like, you know, more like Playboy style, you know, <laughs> like kind of men hire me just, you know, do the Playboy style type modeling. So I think that kind of gets. I don't even like to say erotic because people I've had this happen before where somebody said, like, maybe kind of explain exactly what that is. Like, well, I don't understand. What is erotica? I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) it's like nudity and like, uh, like, I don't know, like porn. I don't know what to say. Like, so that's uh, I try to avoid that. So I just try to, like, kind of say something that might immediately be relatable but yeah then you, then it's how how are they going to react to what you say there are sometimes it, it's case by case now these people that i am talking about are younger temp, they tend to be around my age and i don't worry too much about how they are judging me and usually their response is like oh cool and then it sort of ends there right i don't like have a whole conversation about it um, in other cases, if it was like somebody like my Airbnb host or Uber driver or something <laughs> like that, I would probably just say, I don't know, you know, like lingerie <laughs> or something like that, something that people can kind of like somewhat grasp that is true, but isn't, I'm not a fashion model. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to like impress upon them that it's like not a lifestyle or, or fashion necessarily. But I don't necessarily go into it being erotica. And if I say boudoir, only like 50 percent of people know what that is either. So I try. I yeah. usually don't do that either. I, <laughs> I've learned. I guess I'm I feel like I've been so like deep in the forest. I can't see the trees for such a long time that I almost mm-hmm. completely forget that like ninety nine point nine percent of people don't know anybody who does freelance modeling. Right. Right. I'm amazed when I do find somebody who does like I. Somebody I just met at the gym the other day, he went onto my Instagram and he's like, oh, yeah, I had my own OnlyFans page, like a guy. And I was like, wow, huh. <laughs> that's unusual. Like, usually yeah. I just don't expect that. I suppose having an OnlyFans page is one thing, but also like being right. hired to do photo shoots for other people and like going to some guy's hotel room or basement or whatever is also another thing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Because only fans is so mainstream these days. People kind of understand like, Oh yeah. You know, like anybody goes to their or can just make their porn in their own house yeah. with their partner or by themselves or whatever. Or collaborators, however, however it, is, however it is, want to do it. But that is a totally different situation from, yeah, traveling and going to hotel rooms and home studios and things like that. So, how long have you had OnlyFans, and how long have has it been since you started freelance modeling? 
Okay. I started freelance modeling in, I think I very first started in 2016 and I was 34 years old at the time. And yeah, that period of time, just briefly, like I didn't tell barely anybody what I was doing because I was so unsure of it myself. It was something that I knew I wanted to do. Well, okay. So I started by first modeling for art classes, drawing classes when I lived in state college, Pennsylvania. And that is, I, there was just something I always liked about being nude around other people, I guess. I don't know. And I was, and I'm an artist. I like to draw people. I saw the money I made there. I kind of like spent it um, going and drawing the other models that were there because it's something that I enjoyed doing. And it just was a liberating feeling. And, um, and I just liked using my body in a creative way like that. And then I found out about Model Mayhem that way. So one of the um, instructors actually for the drawing classes hired me to photograph me as a painting references. And so he photographed me just so he could like do watercolor painting. So that's another level. It's kind of like people drawing you from life. Okay. People photographing you and then painting from that. That's another level. And then people photographing you and actually having these photos in order to either have or publish is another level of like, you're very identifiable, <laughs> you know, like that's me in that photo. And now this thing exists out there in the world. And so that is why you get paid better at that point. <laughs> so then when I realized like, oh, I could actually make money at this. I, it was actually, I think maybe a couple of years after that, that I, that I actually finished my only, my model mayhem profile because I kind of just didn't um, take it very seriously. I was doing other things for a while and then, oh, well, then I got injured rock climbing, I think, and I had time on my hands. So I finished that profile and then I like did my first photo, sh like actual photo shoots. And luckily, my first ones were pretty good experiences. So it was like, huh, this is cool. I can do this and I can make money at it. And I was in that in between period of having regular jobs and therefore keeping this whole thing that I was doing very secret because I didn't want it to interfere with my ability to have or do these other jobs. Cause one of them was like substitute teaching, oh. <laughs> you know, children. And anytime you're like interacting with children, you can't like acknowledge that you are a sexual being apparently. Right. Even though in yeah. order to have children, you have to have sex. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, <laughs> right. And it's like, oh yeah, we, we're just going to all pretend that like children don't even like have even, yeah, I don't want to say something like that sounds really weird, but like, <laughs> like pretend that children know about sexuality or have any, any, any sexuality until they're like married <laughs> or something right. like that. No, they come in know. on the stork. The stork delivers them and that's how babies are made. <laughs> yeah, no, like that, that is a, a, a weird line to dance on, but I agree with you, uh, as a person who was raised to not think about sex at all because it was sinful. I, I feel like if the topic wasn't like dodged so much, maybe as an adult, I wouldn't have so much shame around guilt because how people act around certain topics when you're a kid dictates how you're going to feel about them when you're grown up. So maybe the whole like shame and sex and this is bad, this is bad, like 
that's that's how I was raised. And so I still to this day like need to uproot a lot of that. And I'm 35 now. Yeah. Um, yes. And I definitely had to uproot a lot of that as well because I was also raised Catholic and I went to Catholic school. I mean, we literally had, you know, father's class, <laughs> class with the priest where <laughs> that was our sex education. I mean, we had some other additional like in health class sex education too, but uh, it, you know, it's abstinence only. It's like, yeah, uh, men have this thing called a penis and they're going to try to put it in you and you need to not let them do that because that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's basically the lesson. And then in my family, it was just not talked about basically, you know, we just didn't even really uh, mention it because. It, it was just too uncomfortable. I mean, my mom was even, my mom is somebody who is afraid of even talking about like periods and, and things like this. So it was like, I did learn about all those things in school and from friends and stuff like that, but we didn't in my family have frank conversations about these things as if they're just normal parts of yeah. you know, a life, <laughs> being a person, being a woman. For me, uh, they, my parents didn't talk about it. They pretty much like shunned the topic altogether. Like there's, you know, the shape, this church and the school and my parents were all like very against the, the, the topic at all. Um, and then by the time I was, I think 14, my younger sisters were like 10 and 12. At that point, my parents were like, okay, it's time to listen to this audio tape that uh, came from a Christian bookstore that's like, you know, Jesus ordained for you guys to hear about sex ed. And I, I already knew about all this stuff. And I already had so much like negative energy between my parents and I and Christianity in general about sex. And it was so awkward for me that I, I just like, I was like, no, no, I don't want to hear about it. I, you know, like, I don't know anything. I don't want to hear about it. Like I'm closed. I plugged my ears and they played the tapes like while we were on a road trip and I didn't listen to any of it because I, I had already been told by my friends about sex and I had already started my period and I was like hiding my bloody underwear for years and like lying to my mom about it because I was so awkwarded out by the whole thing that I didn't even want to talk to her about it. Like, and she had asked me by the time I was like, you know, 13, 14, like, you know, if I had started it and I was like, nope, don't know what you're talking about. Like, that doesn't happen. I just like uh, rejected my like body as a woman altogether for many years. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I can relate to that. Even now <laughs> I can see, you know, after I started modeling, even I, I can see how much like, I don't know what kind of disdain my mom has for like bodies, <laughs> like her, not, I don't know. She didn't say, Oh, I hate my own body, but more like just nudity in general, like there is the set of glass vases that my grandmother had that just have like figures of women on them. Uh -huh. They're not even that detailed. And I was like, oh, these are cool. I have them actually right now in my house, <laughs> um, in my cool. apartment. And my mom was like, you're going to keep those nasty vases. And I'm like, what is nasty about them? Actually, like that they have depictions of women on them <laughs> that aren't wearing like a, a nice tasteful frock or something like that. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, it, it was really important. I mean, it's an important step to me to embrace like the fact that I have a body and I don't, I just want, don't want to be ashamed about it. And then, you know, so the kind of picking up that thread where I was like, okay, there's, I'm doing, I started just doing art modeling 
and then artistic modeling as a nude model as well. And they, that seems kind of in a way was palatable at first to me, like I jumped right into nudity. Some people don't. They're like, you know, they start, oh, I'll do bikini and glamour first. But for me, it was actually less of a hurdle to just do the nudity, but only in an artistic way, but then not, but not in a sexy way. And then that was kind of the next step is like, okay, well, can I be nude and kind of like sexy at the same time? Is that okay? Am I participating in this whole sexualization of women culture that I am have this impression that it's not good because that puts women down or something? And then so then I had to go through that like, well, no, I can do this. I can I can be kind of like glamorous and sexy and, and explore that. And why not? Because it feels good to do this. And then and then erotic modeling. So being more open like nude and more like kind of explicitly sexual. Well, that then was about how about I refuse to be ashamed of any of these parts of my body, you know, instead of like trying to carefully hide my inner labia or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or or my butthole or whatever. When I'm modeling, I don't have to do that anymore. And then also even then then there is modeling specifically for the male gaze. And is that okay? So that's like the I don't know, next level two, where you're like, okay, I'm obviously doing this because it is what is in men's magazines and what they find provocative. And, and is that all right? And then I decided like, well, maybe that's okay too. So it was almost like I had to try all of these things. And every step of the way, it was, it was really hard at first when photographers would be like, well, what are your limits? This mm-hmm. is very common yeah. question for photographers to ask. And when when I was still trying to figure that out, the answer to that very question, it was like, ugh, it was like hard to answer every time. And so I just had to have, I had to just kind of lay that out sometimes. I'm like, okay, well, I just had some photographers who just approach, uh, like approached things in the best way. I suppose they had enough experience to do that for like, they would be like, okay, I want to do this type of, photography i won't publish these images anywhere without your approval or they wouldn't publish them anywhere period they were just going to they're just going to keep them for their own enjoyment which um in a lot of ways seems like it might sound creepy but in a lot of ways that does feel a lot more secure and safe that you know that oh i might do these images and then i want to sit with it and figure out how i feel about them existing in the world but at least i know they don't have to be shown to the whole world at this moment. Like I haven't agreed to that necessarily. So yeah. kind of like I needed to have that step and that security in order to do those steps. And then, so what I had would say then to photographers, I'd be like, okay, look, I am willing to do this. I want to try it for my own purposes. And yes, yes. Also because I make more money, you obviously you can charge more money to do more explicit work because fewer people do it (laughs) it's like you know i kind of wish there wasn't so much of a taboo about sex and sexuality but that's the very reason that we get to charge yeah money to do it (laughs) yeah it's a double-edged sword (laughs) yeah so yeah so i I would always be like listen i'm willing to do this but what you have to understand is that if at any point during this photo shoot i don't want to do that like listen you can ask me 
you know, to do something and I can say no. I can only tell you for sure what I am willing to do now, but I have to know how I feel in the moment. And that's like, I had heard somebody say this. It's like the, the kind of the female version of integrity for like the masculine version of integrity is like you do what you say you're going to do. And the female version of integrity is masculine and feminine, feminine exist in men and women. It's not just men or women, but feminine version of integrity is being true to like what you are feeling inside of you in that moment. Like, so that's what I had kind of basically told them I was going to stick to like, I want to expect to be paid regardless <laughs> of what I do. Um, and, you know, I don't, this is what I didn't want to happen is to get to a shoot, be there, do some things, be like, mm, I don't really want to quite go that far and then have them just be like, well, then I'm not going to pay for you for this whole shoot, you know? So I just laid it out there that that was not an expectation or an option that I was willing to entertain. So I'm, they I'm had sure, to be willing to work with me on that, which they were. So I'm sure a lot of that that would depend on how the photographer is being respectful or not respectful towards you during the yes. shoot. You could decide, all right, right, I'm not comfortable with this anymore. If they're like breathing heavily and grabbing their crotch and stuff. Yes, right. Exactly. So since I didn't know what an erotic shoot would be like, I had to know that it was going to be OK if I said no, if they were just being, you know, they're creeping me out. And luckily for me, my first several erotic shoots were totally fine. It was just like, okay, I'm having a regular conversation. They're talking to me like a regular human being. And I'm talking to them like a regular human being. Like we might be talking about, oh, you had a recent scare with cancer or you're trying to lose weight or you know, you know, like just real, actually real kind of personal conversations sometimes. And but I'm just like posing in this sexy way. And that was kind of, I mean, it was really good. It was like the, a good intro to that. I mean, since then I've had some other like more, um, <laughs> yeah, like more creepier interactions. But by the, the time I had those, I was pretty strong in my boundaries and could just be like, don't talk to me that way. That's, that's good that you had a good handful of positive experiences. And I'm actually pretty surprised at that because when I first signed up for Model Mayhem, the wave of creeps came in. But maybe part of that was because I was like uh, 18. <laughs> I just turned 18. Right. But yeah. um, with, with this, though, I think it's the perfect time to segue into the photo shoot fail of the week. If you would like to describe... Uh, a crazy photo shoot, whether it was fucked up because the scenario around the shoot was fucked up or the photographer themselves was out of line. What's the story that uh, sticks out in your memory? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's like I can't point to a particular I mean, I, I do have one in mind that I'm going to talk about, but I don't I can't, pick, you know, point to a particular one where I was like, wow, that was just like completely so fucked up. This one was actually so ambiguous to me. It was it was when I was very new to modeling and a photographer messaged me and said, you know, you're really great. I would like to photograph you. And he was actually a pretty good photographer, very well connected, like actually has several clients that he photographs for that do like illustrations for 
book covers and things like this. And it, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So I traveled over to where, um, he lives. It was just a couple of hours from where I lived and, uh, I stayed at his house. I did. I mean, I had checked his references, like on model mayhem, you have verified credits and stuff like that. So several models were like, Oh yes, he's a great to work with, blah, blah, blah. So I just kind of trusted it. And I went there and I, we did a photo shoot and there were just like an, a few things that were like, okay, my hair was starting to look kind of like crappy by the, um, towards the end of the shoot. Cause we did like a lot of shooting in that day. And he like had this brush, this expensive hairbrush, um, like, like $130 for a brush or something like that. Wow. Which, this is pretty expensive for a hairbrush. Um, and so he like just was like, this is such a great brush. And then he like came over and brushed my hair like slowly. And I was like, mm. This is weird. I don't like this. Um, <laughs> and, but that was it. And then I, and then I was like, you know, we continued the photo shoot and he says that he, he pretty much just does glamour. He's not really into nudes, but we did shoot nudes because that's kind of like what I was doing the most of and everything. He's like, Oh, then I'll shoot them for you. No big deal. And then the next, so one thing that he said is he was like, well, wow, it was really bold of you to just come over here and do this shoot. And I was like, is it? So it was, it just like put me on edge that, that he was commenting that it was like a bold move for me to do that because I was like, why isn't this just a normal thing to do in this industry? Um, you know, you just, you know, trust and, and it is because I've done it lots of times since then and other models do it. So that's why I was like, yeah, why are you commenting that it's like so bold of me to do that? And then the next day he woke up early and had to go somewhere and I was still sleeping. And then, um, then he came back and he like put his arms on my shoulders and was like, I almost came in and jumped on you last night. And I was like, what? So I had this like shock in my system. Right. And I was like, why? And he, said, I was looking for that hairbrush and I couldn't find it. And then, and then I found it, but, <laughs> but he was, but basically it was like, uh, I was like, why would you say it that way? Like, I, and then like, why are you doing that? And then, oh, okay. So then the whole thing ended and I went home and then he sent what? me like an email message later that was like, Oh, I had a really great shoot with you. There's these people already like want to meet a photograph, a whole set for them that, you know, they'll pay you for cause to, to do like, you know, book covers or whatever. And he's like, and I personally am in love with you. I can't stop looking at your nudes. And so I was creeped out by that comment. Whoa. And so I was like, um, well, it's okay for you to say that my work is good but like not okay for you to be personally in love with me. So I'm not sure like exactly what you're meaning here. And then, so I said that I set that boundary and then I never heard. Like actually it's not true that I never heard from him again, but for months or years, actually I haven't heard from him, but lately (laughs) more recently he had messaged messaged me, not anything just like kind of, I don't know, just, making like just saying things to me now but many years later but at the time I was I just questioned this whole thing for a long time and I kind of still do whether it was um 
my perception of like being very, um, being very protective of, oh, I want to really make sure that men aren't out to get me and stuff like that. And being inexperienced. And even if he is treating more experienced models with total respect, maybe he's, you know, thinking he can take advantage of me because I am inexperienced. And anytime I talked to somebody else about it, they would say, oh, yeah, he was probably grooming you or he was probably uh, just seeing if well, how you would react when he would say these kind of shocking things to yeah. see if he could take advantage of you. Now, once again, it's kind of like, well, am I getting that response from him and from other people because that's what I was already thinking and expecting or, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, if I just had this general assumption that like, mm, I'm okay. I trust my judgment. Men are generally fine and good and I can just have strong boundaries and be safe. Then I could have read this whole situation differently, or maybe he even would have acted differently towards me if I was kind of like embodying that sort of energy. But I was kind of in a like men are out to get me and I have to protect myself kind of energy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that that was that story. That was the most like a uh, difficult story. And it was just honestly, it was just really disappointing too. the fact that he kind of ghosted me after that because I was like, dang it. I thought it was like, oh, this person could like launch my career, you know, because mm-hmm. he was very connected and a pretty good photographer and stuff. So I was like, disappointed that he just like ghosted me and didn't want to talk to me after that that sucks i even messaged him a few times after that too just to be like "Hmm, maybe he just lost my email in the shuffle or maybe he was like thinking i was mad but all i'm doing is just saying these are the boundaries i still want to i still want to work with you but just don't say you're in love with me and can't stop looking at my nudes yeah that is weird Hmm. What a weird. That, I, I, I would feel weird about that too. Um. Yeah. If he had a lot of like positive recommendations on his model mayhem profile, it does make me believe that he was trying to see what he could get out of you, and then when you set the boundary, it made it obvious that that wasn't going to happen for him. Mm-hmm. That's how I would read the situation, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's like. I mean, it sucks to think of it this way, but it's kind of like, well, these positive references are from experienced models. So he's he is working with very experienced models, too. But he reached out to me first as a very inexperienced model and just being kind of like, oh, you're so cute. I would love to photograph you. And you're like, oh, cool. That's nice. But it's like, are you? targeting me because yeah because i'm inexperienced and because you are and so there is already an inherent power dynamic there and you know maybe not enough experience on my part to not be taken in by the opportunity (laughs) if you have yeah that that is disheartening but i know that it happens a lot yeah yeah and then you know these days this is a thing but yeah, just I don't know if anybody else has said this on your pad- podcast so far, but this is a thing that happens all the time. And especially if you're an erotic model is that photographers will outright ask you like, hey, I was just wondering, do you shoot POV, which 
means point of view, which generally speaking means, will you give me a blowjob while I, <laughs> while I video it? Yeah. And, um, and I, to which I say, no, this is not a service that I offer. And, but I don't get scared when somebody asks me that. I'm not immediately like, oh my God, what the hell? Like, because, because there are enough models out there that will do it and that just see it as a business opportunity. No problem. Um, it's because sex work, that direct provider type sex work isn't legal in our country. And so nobody can easily just advertise what they do and do not actually offer. It's, it's almost like I can't blame. <laughs> this is how I think of it. It's like, I almost can't blame photographers for asking because it's the only way they can find out whether, whether you would do it. Or yeah. Not, and I, this topic has been brought up at least once over the course of my podcast. And I will note that I would much rather somebody ask me politely over email in advance that question mm -hmm. than say, Oh, Hey, let's shoot. You know, I like your style. I'll come over. And then you show up thinking that they like your style. And then they ask you, will you suck my dick for an extra hundred bucks? Then you're on the spot in person and you have to, mm -hmm. if you're not firm in your boundaries or whatever, like it, it could be like sketchy, especially if you're a newer model, because that's how boundaries get pushed. Um, so I, yeah. I, I know that every time a person is asking that, do you do POV or like, can we do a sex video or something like that? If they're asking that over email, they're risking getting screenshotted and outed. So I yeah. understand that it's like a risk for them to ask in advance, but like, right. I, it, you can't make it obvious, like you said, that you, that you do provide certain services that are technically illegal. Um, so like if the person doesn't ask, then, you know, like you, you wouldn't get that, that booking if you did provide that service. So it, it is tricky, but, but like if you're on model mayhem and you're advertising for photo shoots, I feel like it's inappropriate to ask that person that's only advertising that service. Like there, there are like, um, websites that are on the fringe. I, I know Backpage got taken down and the Craigslist personal ads got taken down back in 2018. But there still are other websites like Seeking Arrangements and some other like um, Sugar Daddy, Sugar Baby type websites where you can hire somebody for like escort or like more sexual personal services, even though technically the the wording of the rules of the website say you can't like hire somebody for that. Like it's inherent that that's what people are there for. Yeah, right. Like it's more inherent that they that in a sugar baby, like in seeking arrangement, for example, that that's more of an understanding on that site than it is on Model Mayhem. Like I yeah. say, yeah, the it, majority of models on Model Mayhem are not providing that service. As as a, a freelance model, like if hypothetically speaking, if I did provide those services, I feel like I'm creative enough to come up with a statement that allows people to read between the lines on what my like um services might be like i could say like if, if i was trying to market those services with a photographer that like contacted me over email because they saw my modeling portfolio and they asked me what my rates were that would be the opportunity to say something like my rates for Glamour is this and for art is this and erotic is this. And then for more like off camera surfaces or something like that, like, like if you're trying to make money that way, like you'll come up with a mm -hmm. way to state that. 
Um, I'm not saying that photographers that are looking for sexual services should ask. Uh, I don't, it, it, it is dicey. It is dicey. But yeah. I feel like if, if you're the one that's trying to make the money, then you're going to, you know, come up with a read between the lines way to advertise it, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like, um, Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Like if I knew that I would be willing to do this and I I just want and I actually want to find out what for, I want to make it clear, then I would if I was seeing that as a business opportunity, I would want to make that clear somehow to the photographer that that's on the menu. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think you're right that you could figure out some way of saying that. Like POV life. scenes or whatever could be like a rate on mm-hmm. your menu if you did do that. But um yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd rather be the one action scene. It, pe- people like, do ask me yeah. about that kind of stuff. They're like, oh, do you do BG or like, will you be the female talent and I'm the male talent? You know, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm happy that they ask and I just say no. And I'm not going to screenshot them and out them, but I'm sure that somebody that gets offended about those questions might. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess that's that's my point is that like, as yeah, some like maybe even earlier version of myself might have been very like shocked and offended about being even asked these things. But nowadays I'm just kind of like, hmm, nope, it's not a thing I do. <laughs> yeah. So if you ask me like more than once or hound me about it, I'll be really annoyed. Yes. Um, <laughs> not work with you anymore. <laughs> not talk to you anymore and block you on all my social media probably. But um, yeah, that's how that goes. Yeah. So for I I've definitely like progressed in my eroticism over the course of time and so things that I have said no to before um I might be more willing to say yes to. However, for me nowadays I like okay, let me step back a little bit. When I first started traveling and modeling and was doing open leg modeling and stuff, I was looking for the paying gigs and there were some private collectors but I didn't discriminate against people that had their own pay sites that they're like oh I want to hire you for four hours to shoot a bunch of like met art style photos for my pay site and I'd be like okay yeah that's legit and so I would do it and I did all this like modeling for other people's pay sites and now my badge is on all these thumbnail images that are on Google search engines because Mm -hmm. it's on their website and they're trying to advertise the traffic to unlock the photo sets and stuff on their site. Mm-hmm. And so now I will no longer model for other people's pay sites because it competes with my own income on my pay sites. Yeah. Yeah. I went through that too, where, and I would try my best always to like, make sure I wrote a little clause in uh, the model release which anybody you can do this, you can write things on there. <laughs> Best if you tell the person ahead of time, obviously, so yeah. they know before they're paying you. Like, listen, I, it's, I'm okay with doing this, but I do not want you to have any of the explicit images used on for free, including, um, you know, if, if this is what you want, including thumbnail images, including trailers for videos or whatever, if you're doing that kind of thing. Um, because yeah, that's something that I did pretty shortly after even just doing open leg still photography, doing like masturbation videos. I was like, Hmm, I could do that. (laughs) So that was one of those things where like, yeah, the very first time I did it, I was like some for somebody's private collection. So I knew it wasn't going to be published anywhere. And I was like, 
yeah, I'll give that a try and see how it goes. And that person, you know, like he had just approached me in a like probably the best possible way, you know, like, look, you know, I did, I've done these things with these other models that are well known. You can ask them, uh, as references and, you know, they'll tell you I never leaked their videos anywhere or anything like that. And that I was always respectful and that you're in control and I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm just going to be over here behind the camera. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. And I mean, I was just like, Hmm, yeah. Is that a thing I could do? I could like, um, actually like pleasure myself in front of somebody. So then when I, when I did it a few times, it was like, huh, Actually, this is pretty cool that I get paid to like have orgasms at work. That's not so bad. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, so what did, where was it going with that train of thought? <laughs> um, that's actually I forget where it, <laughs> where it was. Oh yeah, I was, I was saying, um, oh, there was one time and I have always written that clause in there, but there was one time that I did a scene for somebody. And the, I did, I know that I wrote this in the model release, but I forgot to photograph the model release. I almost like almost, except for that one time, always do that. So I will, you know, write the thing in the model release and I will photograph the model release so that I have it. Mm -hmm. And then that person made a trailer that was like a minute long, which showed like all the most explicit parts of this like masturbation scene. And I was like, could you not <laughs> do that? Like, please take that down and or censor it or something. And then, and he wouldn't, he refused. And then I tried to get contact the site and get them to take it down. Cause I'm like, and, or I tried to get him to send me the model release and he was like, oh, yeah, I'll fax it to you. And I was like, no, <laughs> fax it to me. Send me a photograph, a high quality photograph of it. So that I can make sure that you didn't white out the part where I wrote in, don't put this <laughs> explicit stuff on a trailer, you know? And he's like, oh, I'm so mad that you are, don't trust me. And I'm like, I don't trust you because you're doing the exact opposite of what we agreed to. Yeah. So why don't you just send me the thing in the way that I'm asking? If you don't have anything to hide, then don't fax it to me. Cause you know, everybody knows that you can white out something and then photocopy it in a fax and you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. Whereas in a high quality photo, you would be able to see like where somebody would have used whiteout or tape or something like that to cover that part. So, yeah, but he wouldn't do it. And then he eventually just stopped responding and just like blocked me on everything. And he just was super disrespectful. And of like in the way that he was talking to me, he's like, oh, you girls, you like do this thing. And then you get all ashamed about it. And I'm like, no. I just keep saying, like, I keep saying, like, no, this is just not what we agreed to. I remember this. I remember having the conversation. I remember writing the thing. I just forgot to photograph it. And Ugh. and he's like, he's like, you keep going back to that. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I keep going back to that thing where you're not being in integrity and honoring our agreement. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I should have I guess I should have mentioned that as a horrific photo photo shoot experience because Ugh. that was the worst that was by far the worst interaction that that I've had. i mean i ultimately i have decided that this is not going to damage me and like harm my career or my reputation forever or anything like that um but i was just pissed off that 
that that was the situation. Yeah, I've I've had similar situations where somebody like paid me extra money to cross my boundaries and promised that it would remain private, and then it was all over Pornhub, and so my trust was totally violated, and it sucked. But yeah, yeah, it sucks. But but you know, and and then of course, um, over the course of time, years and years later, people are still like, oh, I saw this one video of you. Like, do you have anything more like that? And I can't yeah. help but reply. I can't say just like, oh, thanks. I'm glad you like that. <laughs> I have to say, like, actually, that was against my consent. Even though it looked consensual in the video, I was coerced into that through lots of extra money. And uh, that person, like, um, totally stabbed me in the back by allowing it to be on Pornhub. This is before Pornhub. I guess Pornhub changed recently. They they no longer allow um, revenge porn because they're on the chopping block. So you have to like um, upload your ID with verification that you were consenting to be in like anything that gets uploaded there now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, not a bad thing. Totally. I I agree. I fully agree. I I think that's how it should be. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I just wrote this down here cause I, I don't like I could go into this now, but this, here's a recent thing that just came up for me. Go for it. I had, so I'm on purple port, uh, because I heard that's big in Europe and I want to go there. And I had somebody recently approach me and he wants to put me in a video game. And what it would entail is that I send him photos of like every, my whole body, <laughs> right? And then he would be able to make basically a 3D replica of me and then put me into like porn scenes in this video game. Cool. And at first I was like, hmm, cool. Because I don't actually have to make any porn scenes. <laughs> like I don't have to like have sex with anybody to do it. But now I'm kind of like, I'm still sort of like, I, I don't know. I, I honestly do not know how I feel about that. Like I just, I'm like, hmm. I don't, I'm gonna sit with this for a little while because I really don't know. I know. I mean, okay. Like, let's be real. I made, I made a bunch of solo stuff myself, and like, we'll probably. I mean, I definitely want to go into this in this episode too. Like, where am I at now in my career? Because the big development in my life lately is that I, I deleted my OnlyFans. Oh, you oh. did? Yeah, you didn't know that? No. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, like I haven't published. <laughs> I did it uh, about a month ago now. So, well, about a month ago is when I decided to do it. And it's been actually, it's a process. Um, if you like, I mean, you could just delete it, but I wanted to do it in a kind of nice way, tie up some loose ends, some customs I had to like give to people and um, hey, everybody download whatever you want from here because it's not going to be here anymore. But anyway, so it's kind of like I've kind of cut off this whole piece of my um, <laughs> my business and identity. And so it's been a whole ride here. But yeah, so that's why that's why I'm like questioning a little bit like, hmm, do I want to do this like basically AI porn <laughs> thing? Right. Do I want my likeness to be used in this way? I'm not scared of that i'm not i wouldn't be like oh i'm so ashamed about that or anything like that but it seems that this person i I was like yeah sure whatever until he was asking me do all how many fans or how many followers do you have on social media and i was like oh you're wanting me to like promote this or you're wanting to promote the fact that it is me yeah in this game 
and use the, you know, like, oh, that, you know, starring Aaron Devine as kind of a marketing tactic so that people who love Aaron Devine can see me doing all kinds of sex things. And I do get, he says that I do get to approve any of the scenes <laughs> before they would be placed in the game. Um, but yeah, I'm just sitting with that for now. But anyway, let's, uh, yeah, let's back up to this. I, I can't actually, I did record a whole, actually two podcasts about this that I, I swear I will publish them today because I recorded them <laughs> a while ago about, about me quitting OnlyFans. But just to give the brief synopsis, it was like this where I know I had been, I, you asked me earlier and I didn't actually say, but I started OnlyFans in 2020, like when everybody else started. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, right, right after I was traveling and doing modeling, I had wanted to do it for a while, but I just didn't have time because I was, so wrapped up in trying to make money just traveling and doing photo shoots. So I, um, when all of that stopped and we weren't going anywhere and I was on un- unemployment and just staying at home, then I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll start my only fans and use a lot of these photos and videos and things that I already have. So it was just a place to like actually be able to put some of that content because it, you know, it just didn't fit anywhere else on the internet. And so that's, that's how it began. And then I, um, had been doing, and then I did it and I went through like cycles with it where, you know, my partner at the time, we did boy girl stuff and we put that on there. I had varying amounts of nudity on the feed and the, and the pay-per-view message. So I sometimes would put a nudity on the feed and then delete it all. <laughs> and then not because I was afraid, but just because I wanted to maximize profits. Right. Yeah. So there's so many different ways to manage your OnlyFans page. And like for I mean, if anybody knows things about OnlyFans, the feed is like once somebody subscribes at a monthly subscription rate, I've changed it a few times, but generally it was around fifteen dollars. Once they subscribe, they can go in and they see whatever is on your feed. But you have to be currently subscribed to see what's in your you know, private messages yeah. or whatever. So, um, the, when, oh, what do I want to say? Like agencies that manage OnlyFans pages, they almost always say to not have any nudity on the feed or they'll censor it or whatever. I know this because I did hire two agencies and that's kind of towards the end of this story. But anyway, I went from 2020 to 2023, uh, just managing it all, doing it myself and, um, I, as far as like my successfulness with it, I, I thought about quitting it quite a long time ago because I was just like frustrated with how much time it was taking and how it was like going to take even more time to be really successful at it. Yeah. Because, because what it really takes is being diligent about all the other social media, right? The TikTok and Instagram particularly and maybe Reddit as well. I, I never actually did Reddit, but um, TikTok and Instagram are big ones. And so I finally in, um, I think just no, maybe October of this year, I start, I hired the first agency that I had worked with. So, and they're really good. Like both, I, I, did, I worked with two agencies and they were both good. Um, the first one was Endure and they are a women run agency. So they're kind of cool like that where they are, 
you're you're interacting with women. The people who are doing the sexting with your fans are women. So like I'm just I was never lying about that. I always put that in my podcast and everything like, listen, anybody who cares about me enough as a person to listen to my podcast, I'm telling you right now, you're not talking to me anymore. <laughs> if you're on my OnlyFans page, I'm not the one writing all of those sexting messages. I'm not writing the captions. So in my perspective, it was great because I I was never really good at doing those things and I didn't like doing it. It was just like a tedious chore. It's not that I was like disgusted by it. I just didn't have the vocabulary and the I don't know, desire to get good at it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Usually all the little cutesy emojis and being like, oh, yeah, don't you want to put your big fat dick right here between my tits or whatever, all this kind of yeah. dirty talking things. Um, But I, I I liked making the content. I I mean, actually, it was always kind of fun. And, it, and I did genuinely get turned on. And then I would do like solo masturbation videos. And I always thought, wow, this is pretty great that I just... I take sexy photos and videos and I then and then I like get turned on and then I masturbate and have orgasms and then people pay me to do those things that I like to do anyway. <laughs> so it was great. So then I all I have to do is upload all of that content and then the agency takes over from there and they do the posting. So they schedule the posts and they do all of the engagement with the fans. Um, and talk to them about doing customs and things like this. And that agency was really good about using stuff from my vault, like things that I already had. I mean, because at this point, I already had like three, almost three years worth of content in there. So if I didn't give them new content, they were pretty good at like recycling old stuff. Of course, they always wanted me to give them new content. And I did as much as I could. But they were also very on top of me about, you know, you really need to be posting on TikTok every day. <laughs> yeah. Preferably twice a day. And they would give me suggestions of like, here's some trending audios or just trends um, on TikTok. And, you know, also post on Instagram reels all the time, too. Which they aren't wrong. They, I was, you know, in the moment, my mindset was like, well, okay, maybe they're just asking me to step into a level of consistency that I just never have done in my business before. And we all know if you do anything on social media, that consistency is really important. And so maybe this is just a good challenge for me. It's just me like becoming this version of myself who is, you know, successful at this. And so that was my experience with them. And then another agency approached me that I just perceived as being better um, in a few ways. Uh, they were just bigger, more well-established. They did other, they had just more of a bigger team and just had other um, things that they did too. They said that they would pitch me to brands and get brand deals. And that was something that I was very much interested in. And so I just, but I couldn't just say, oh, okay, can this agency just manage my OnlyFans and then you just do the brand thing? <laughs> it wouldn't work that way because the OnlyFans yeah. was what was already making money. So it had to be like all or nothing. So I stopped with the first agency and did the second agency, which was Siren is the name of that one. And um, they similarly where I did have a social media person that I talked to every week and she would always be like, you know, giving me tips and stuff. 
And sometimes I just got like frustrated with just the technical aspects of TikTok. I'd be like, look, why? I just don't know how to do this thing. And I would just get so frustrated. <laughs> like, yeah, throw the phone through the window or something. But so I, I would get frustrated with that. But ultimately, yeah, it was kind of a similar, similar deal where I had an at this time I had an agent who would just check in with me every week. But, you know, you could tell it was just sort of part of a, well, here's what I do on Tuesdays. I check in with all my clients and just say, like, just write him a text and be like, how's it going? What are you up to? And so, and then, so is that, and then the social media person would talk to me every week too. And they were like, you know, you really have to be posting on TikTok more often. I was like, okay, fine. I will do this. And they also had a, they gave me a very specific list of things that they wanted me to give them for OnlyFans content every week. So I want, they wanted 10 to 14 videos, um, which sounds like a lot, but a lot of them are short videos, like videos that are 30 seconds okay. or longer. And preferably at least one master full masturbation scene video and a couple of like strip tease videos where I'm just like spreading and just, you know, being provocative so that they can be like a lower price point type item. And um, yeah, so I thought like, well, okay, yeah, it's great that you're asking me these specific things because I can just batch process that. And I was gearing up even to try to like, do what a lot of creators do, which is to just create like a month, a month or two worth of content all in like two days or something, and then just give it to them. And then they just drip it out. And then I don't have to worry about OnlyFans content for a while. But what I do always continually have to worry about is the other stuff, the TikTok and Instagram. And so TikTok became like, I would spend four hours just making like TikTok videos or something. And the audios, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Sorry. I just got a phone call. Um, the audios would get stuck in my head, of course, cause your, your voice <laughs> doing a, like a lip sync. Right. And a lot of these trending things, um, were, um, like they were just things that I didn't want in my head. Like they were, they were oftentimes about relationships or like, but like shitty things about relationships, like how uh. you just, how you got PTSD from your last two relationships or your, your single or like making fun of your men for being immature or some, something like that. And like those audios would just get like looped and stuck in my head of course because i listened to the same thing like 19 times when i was yeah. like or something about like over it. fucking yeah. your your sister's boyfriend or some shit because it's going to get a lot of attraction on tiktok but it's actually kind of fucked up <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah right exactly and those things that yeah right so i just like got i was like i don't i don't want to spend not only do i not want to spend the time on it like to doing it, but I don't want that occupying my mind while I'm doing other things either. So I just, I don't know. At some point I just came to this realization that like, I didn't want anything to do with any of it anymore. <laughs> and so I just, I was on my way to Los Angeles and like I was on the airplane going from like, I was just on the short flight from Chattanooga to Charlotte. And I wrote to my agency that I was done. I was like, 
yep, I'm firing you. And I didn't say this, say it that way. I was just like, yeah, I, I think I'm just going in another direction with my career and I'm probably shutting down my OnlyFans. So I won't be needing to like work with you anymore. Um, and I, I do want to say to everyone that like I, they, they were, they did help me to become financially successful. I mean, it's a little bit hard to tease apart actually. I made more money when I was working with these agencies than I made by myself. A little bit of this was also due to one video on Instagram that went viral and got like 6 million views and I got like 500 followers from that. Nice. <laughs> so for a while, but then that dropped off, you know, it was like, sweet. Like it was like thousands of dollars, you know, in that at once, but then that um, the money and the, and the number of followers did drop off. It didn't go back, like way back down, but it did drop off after time as, you know, happens when <laughs> you blow up just because you have that much visibility all at once. But, um, yeah, so that dropped off, but I would just decided, yeah, I just didn't want to like do that anymore. It's, it's also just because there were just other things that interested me that just interest me more right now. Uh, OnlyFans was kind of, you know, at some point I was like, cool, it allows me to not have to travel and do photo shoots so much. And that was appealing. And I still think I still want to have that in my life, like always have the choice to travel or not. But I've also more recently just really embraced traveling because I have this like other kind of travel themed Instagram page that I have been not putting a ton of time. In. I don't know. This is a whole, <laughs> it might be a whole other topic of like, uh, where am I at now with any of this <laughs> kind of thing? But it, but at the, t you know, but still now I find that more engaging. I wanted to put more time and energy into that and actually traveling for doing photo shoots supported this other thing that I was neglecting because I was putting so much time into OnlyFans and doing TikTok for OnlyFans and all that stuff. So it just felt very freeing energetically, the idea of taking that whole piece out of my life. Scary, scary, because it is thousands of dollars a month that I now don't have about, you know, I'm splitting it with the, like, I'll just say the numbers. Um, I'm splitting it with the agency, give them 50%. But that was still like, if I was making $4,000 a month, then that was $2,000 for me that I now don't have that income. <laughs> so it's not a trivial amount of money for me to just say no to, but it's just a leap of faith, you know, that I have to just trust that it's going to be all right. Um, so I mean, now are you yeah. um, booking more photo shoots while traveling to supplement for that income that you're not making? Yeah, a couple of things. So I am, I thought about that. I was like, oh, am I going to have to like book more photo shoots now? I don't want to do that. I mean, not that. I don't want to have to do like more trips necessarily, but so a combination of things. I'm just, so this is where like the, the magic of the universe and manifesting, I'm really relying a, a quite a lot on that. <laughs> just nice. telling myself that like, I'm just going to book plenty of photo shoots or I'm going to make more money than I ever did somehow. And a, yes, I survived just fine before I even had only fans. It's definitely obviously nice to have it, but, um, I got, I'm just going to affirm that I, I will book more photo shoots when I do have trips. I also started an Airbnb. So ah. that's <clears throat> another source of income that is, you know, like not, it's not entirely passive yet because I'm still kind of building all the infrastructure of it. But 
Yeah. So this is I mean, you could say I manifested that in a way because it's my grandmother's house that my mom, you know, gave to me. Basically, she was nice. going to give it to me after she died anyway. But like she she just signed it over to me. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. I'm going to I'm going to start this as an Airbnb. So I've been working on that. And um, we started it in January uh, and it's been doing pretty well, even though it is in the middle of nowhere. And we started it in the lowest travel season. And so I, I have good expectations for the spring and summer for that, actually. So that definitely is helping. Nice. Quite a lot. All Yeah. So far, I mean, you know, so far I'm also spending a lot of money on that one, too. But I think like the, the amount that I have to spend is now tapering off because I've taken care of a lot of the big things like getting the carpet clean, getting the outside clean, getting the mold in the basement taken care of, that kind of crap. But but yeah, so. So I have I have hopes for all of those things. And um, yeah, it, but again, I have to say it's just mostly a leap of faith. It's it's not that I don't have any idea where money I have no idea at all where money will come from. But I I want to not in my mind anyway, limit it to, well, I, I have to then book more photo sheets or work harder at this thing. I'm going to yeah. continue doing photo shoots because that is how I make money now. And it's, um, I mean, it would fry my nervous system probably if I just didn't make any like plans to, to earn money that way. But I'm just going to, you know, just choose that that's going to, it's going to work out fine. I'm just going to keep doing the things that I'm doing and just trust that all the opportunities that are more aligned with where I am now are going to show up. That's really cool. That's kind of the description of you like leaving OnlyFans and then transitioning towards um, like a life that's more fulfilling energetically for you kind of is like um, like your rising Phoenix moment in life. Would you say? I would say so. It's it's, you know, even just last week, I or maybe this past weekend, I was like having this moment of like, because my only fans at this point, somebody had subscribed. Uh, probably they bought a year subscription because my last subscription will run out on my last subscriber will run out in December of 2023. So even though I have deleted the page, so this was the whole process. I, you know, I told all the people like, okay, I'm going to delete this page. So, you know, if you need to download things, blah, 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 you need to do that. And, um, but the page is still there. I don't know if I can access it. I also deleted my bent box, which I never made a dollar on, but yeah. I was thinking of wanting to do it because I was like, cool, it'll be a little more passive than OnlyFans because you're not pressured to like engage a lot and post every day. But I just decided I didn't want to put any energy into that either. So I deleted it. And then OnlyFans, I could have just left it up. Because I did. Well, the first thing I did was I reduced the price of the subscription to five ninety nine. It's the lowest, or no, four ninety nine. It's the lowest that you can make it without making it free. And I didn't want to make it free because I still, you know, I mean, I don't want people just going in there and being able to see my last three years worth of content for yeah. not paying any money. So <laughs> I still think you should have to pay something. And then I just wrote it in the description. Hey, just so you know, I'm not active on here, but if you want to pay me five dollars and go in there and just scroll through all my content and you know write me a message that's fine but i just telling you that i'm not super active on here um and i could have just left it up at that for a couple of weeks i was it was making like i don't know 150 dollars a week or something like that and i was like well 
It's still money that I have to do absolutely nothing for. But I still, the truer thing to me was to still just not have any sort of energetic tie to this old identity of mine at all. It's not a piece of me that I'm ashamed of or I'm like, you know, think it's terrible or I can't believe I did that kind of thing or anything like that. It's just that it's just kind of like when you go through phases in your life in general and you're just like, that's not me anymore. Just like the version of me that was uh, a scientist. I, you know, I have a Ph.D. in biology. I used to be in academia. I don't I can't imagine going back to doing that either. Like, there's no way I could be like, oh, I think I'll get a university job now. Um, well, firstly, that would be hard to do, but, <laughs> but even if, even if the job opportunities were there and somebody wanted to hire me for that, I, I just have like a physical aversion to like wanting to be that, that old version of myself anymore. And it's the same with this. It just doesn't captivate my attention anymore is all. It was very useful and helpful for all of the things that it did teach me. And now I just feel that the energy of it is complete is, is the, is the way of saying it, you know, I think that's the truer way of saying it than just being like, Oh, you know, I'm so disgusted or whatever. Yeah. I was just complaining about being burnt out all the time, but never taking the steps towards doing something new. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. So I'm not allowing myself to hold on to any of that old, like I was like, I've just burned the bridge. So now the only way to go is forward. Wow. That's really inspiring actually. Yeah, I mean, I just try to remind myself of all the times that I have done that before. Sometimes quitting a job or losing a job. A lot of people have been through that and you, it's fine and it can end up better. And like, maybe just maybe it will end up better than you ever could have imagined. Yeah. So that's really awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, yeah. we're, we're about at time with the, with the podcast length but I think that you shared a lot of really interesting things that a lot, a lot of the stuff that I didn't know before, especially that you had deleted your only fans. Yeah. I was kind of um, waiting until I <laughs> was waiting until I published the podcast episodes, which you're motivating me to do that today. <laughs> I was waiting until I do that in order to like announce it on Instagram, like on my social media. Cause then people will pay attention probably that like, Oh, you know, that's a thing that she did so far. All you see on my Instagram is that I have basically stopped posting. <laughs> I barely post anything on there anymore. Cause I'm like, what is the purpose of this now? This is kind of the stage I'm at right now. What is the function of my Instagram page right now? You know, cause up until this point, it was to drive traffic to my only fans. And so, yeah. Like, and if, hmm. if you're not doing that anymore, then the function is just to gain likes or I suppose it's kind of a poster board for photographers to hire you but you don't need yes. to post every day in order for that to happen. right exactly it's just, it's like if just to function as a portfolio it's there and yeah so you know it may be helpful if you're posting consistently so that you you know stories or whatever so that they like you're in their radar but ultimately that's it's not super necessary to post every day for those purposes. Yeah. But yeah, they, that's where I'm at now. It's cool. and like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just more and more trying to be like, what is the truer thing? I just had one of my favorite um, coaches that I listen to. Who's she's the, the one that I was saying has this podcast where she just shares 
a lot and is like she's in like very informal with it but i just love listening to her and she just shares a lot of like personal her own personal process her thoughts kind of in the way that my podcast is it's like i'm leaving a long message for a friend like <laughs> that's kind of the vibe that i'm going for but she is going into a phase now where she's wanting to be like what does privacy have to offer me what if i just keep all this to myself what if I just live my life and don't tell the whole world about it all the time? It like, you know, it was very uh, helpful for her. And I'm just like, ah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm trying, I'm, I don't know that for myself. I don't know if I want to be more expressed or kind of, what would that be like if I just, if I just uh, have a bunch of Airbnbs and like go rock climbing? That'd be cool. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and I don't have to like share it all over social media all the time. Although I, I, I don't know. I still think I kind of want to, I think, but I'm just, I'm in the phase of just trying to be like the most honest with myself yeah. that I can be. There's definitely a community aspect to like posting and participating with others on social media. I love it. And I do get really inspired by seeing other people's like beautiful travel photos and videos and wanting to do it so I do find that still really engaging like getting better at photography getting better at editing and just making things that are beautiful that capture an experience so I am still I'm still pretty engaged with that that's awesome I love meeting creators like you that help me with those things (laughs) thank you yeah no that was a fun time yeah I appreciate that well um I'm glad that we had this talk on this podcast. I'm excited to share it. My podcasts do come out every Thursday, and tomorrow is Thursday, so uh, it should be out tomorrow if that's all right with you. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine with me.